Welcome, everybody. Thank you guys for coming. I am extremely excited for this conversation tonight, this theology on the ground as we dive into the topic of sports. Um, I think it's good. From Creed um, or the Apostles' Creed, I think tonight let's... Um, Let's sing the doxology. How's that sound? It's kind of like a national anthem. <laughs> Praise God. Blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, heavenly host. Praise Father. Man, we should do that more often, don't you think? Sweet. Um, well, as most of you guys know, I'm one of the, the pastors here at Redemption Parker, um, but I'm also a chaplain and, and a... Uh, the director for hitting at Game Day Baseball. It's a, it's a Christian baseball academy where our, our mission over there um, is to impact lives for Christ through baseball. Um, today, I get to be the host and also one of the panelists on Theology on the Ground. So I'm pretty excited about that as we, again, jump into this topic of sports. Um, we, we do have four other in-house panelists, um, but before we start jumping into questions, and important questions, like how do we engage in sports as Christians, as fans, as parents, as athletes? Um, I did want to begin our time this evening with just a theology of sport. So this, this, may, this may take a little longer than my normal introductions, but, but I, I do think it's, it's vital to have solid ground. Um, it's, it's vital to have a, a, a really robust theology of sport. Um, you know, before we jump into any other questions about how to, how to do this, because in other words, the, the, or, or, or the first question I, I think we have to ask um, is, 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 is answering a question. Um, and that's when the Apostle Paul says that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The question is, can we put sports in the all that Paul is talking about? Can we engage in sports to the glory of God? Um, when Natalie, who's on our panel tonight, um, she sent me an article um, by one of my favorite pastor theologians, Jeremy Treat, and, it, and it's a theology of sport. And I've read a lot of theologians try to talk about sports, and sometimes it's just unhelpful, and, and often there's just not a lot out there. Um, but his, his piece was amazing, so I, I, I recommend you read it. Um, that's basically what I'm going to be summarizing here in my Theology of Sport talk. Um, here's where I'm headed. He, he says, quote, Sport is more than a game, less than a god, and when transformed by the gospel, can be received as a gift to be enjoyed forever. Let me read that again. 
sport is more than a game, less than a god, and when transformed by the gospel, can be received as a gift to be enjoyed forever. So, so let me let me unpack that. Um, quick history of sports in the church. Um, if you know the Apostle Paul, then you know that. My man loved sports, right? He, he's, he's always using, he's sometimes using sports as, as, as a Christian metaphor, right? Fight the good fight. Um, he, he's, he's talking about runners in a race or training in righteousness. But, but early on in church history, the tone kind of changed. Here's the church father, Tertullian, talking about the early Olympic Games, He says, quote, They are not consistent with true religion and true obedience to the true God. Now before you say, see, I told you, sports are of the devil, um, the early Olympic Games consisted in dedication to pagan gods like Zeus and Nike, nude competition, And the most popular event of all the events were the gladiator games. And that involved throwing Christians into the playing field with wild beasts and lions to see them mauled to death. So so context for a quote like that is pretty important. Um, On the other hand, there's been theologians all throughout church history. Um, from, from, From John Calvin to Dietrich Bonhoeffer who loved sports and would engage personally in competition for recreation. Um, but, but when the Puritans came on the scene, though they did a lot of good in their theology, I think is amazing. Uh, sports were seen to be completely outside of God's will. Um, now, I don't know anyone today who would say that sports are of the devil Um, and and that Christians can't engage in them. But I do know Christians who who do say things like, it's just a game. Why are you so invested? This has zero eternal significance. Zero. And into that, I I would say, like Jeremy Treat says here, sport is more than just a game. In, in the Garden of Eden, before sin entered into the world, we, we have what theologians call the, the cultural mandate, where, where Adam and Eve are told to work and keep the garden, fill the earth, and develop it on God's behalf. They are called to create culture. Or like John Stott says, nature is what God gives us, culture is what we do with it. And it wasn't just a call to create culture, but to delight in it. What, what father puts together a trampoline for his kids without the, the hope that his kids are going to enjoy it, delight in it? Well, that's what's, what's going on in the creation account. In the words of John Calvin, the world is the theater of God. Well, this, this idea of sport can be traced back to the pre-fall garden where, where Adam and Eve are called to develop and delight in God's creation. 
This is why there's no secular sacred divide when it comes to vocation. Right? All is sacred. God, God cares about the work of the pastor and the professor. He cares about the work of the electrician and the pilot, the, 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 the stay-at-home mom and, and the math teachers. All of us are culture makers. And, and so even though we don't see Adam and Eve playing ping pong um, in the garden, that would be a very cool scene. Um, we do see the seeds of sport being planted. Again, Jeremy Treat says, while technically... One does not find sport in Genesis 1 and 2. We can speak of play with the potential and even intention towards sport. Creation is not just about what God did in the beginning, but also about what God intended from the beginning. This means that that sport is play is intrinsically good. That, that sports are, are a piece of God's purpose and his design in creation. That sports were, were created by God for our flourishing. Now we will address all the, all the formation that can come into our lives and the lives of our kids through sports. We're going to talk about the, the opportunity of mission sports, but I do think that, that, that we need to see that, that apart from all of that good that, that, that can be caused through sports, sports themselves are good. And we can actually enjoy our creator by enjoying his theater, which consists of sports. For some people, you, you understand that in the context of enjoying God through a beautiful Monet painting at the Denver Art Museum. And that's awesome. Praise God for that. For me, it's a walk down the street to Coors Field uh, as, I, as I watch a center fielder make a diving catch over his shoulder to save a game. Um, so yes, I do believe that we can engage in sports to the glory of God. But, but, but as we will address throughout this evening, um, although sports are more than a game, they are less than a God. And that's, that's what we see a lot of in our culture. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need to constantly be inspecting our own hearts, right? We know that our hearts are, are idol-producing factories. And so how easy it is for sports, though I think a really good gift from God, um, how easy it can turn into a God itself, a very awful God. Um, as awesome as spo- sports are, if, if, we're, if we're trying to find in a sport what, what ultimately must be found in Christ, namely identity, purpose, ultimate satisfaction, salvation, then we've missed the purpose of sport. Um, we can look at the golden calf incident with Israel and be like, how could they... God showed them. How could they? But but you go to the Bible Belt in Oklahoma, and Kyle knows, Cassie knows, you watch an Oklahoma Sooner game on a Saturday afternoon, a football game, and tell me that's not a worship gathering. 
And there's a lot of similarities to a religious experience happening there. A lot of false worship, a lot of idolatry. And sadly, many Christians or or so-called Christians um, are, are much happier to worship in that setting than at church on Sunday morning with God's people. That's just facts. But though good gifts can be made into idolatry, we all know this, I don't think we ought to throw the baby out with the bathwater, especially when sports can be transformed by the gospel. Um, Because our identity is rooted in Christ, we can now do sports as, as fans, as athletes, as parents, to the glory of God and, and the good of others. Again, Jeremy Treat um, and, and others who have written on this, like Randy Alcorn and Ben Witherington III, um, they actually believe that this gift of sport can not only be enjoyed now, but actually enjoyed forever. Yes, sports in the new creation. Stu, when I get my glorified body, I'm finally going to beat you in tennis. And if I lose, I, and if I lose, I won't get mad. Like it's a, I can't wait. Please, please don't don't think heaven is some place where you where, where we're going to float on clouds and, and and sing "Blessed be Your name" all day and all night uh, with our heavenly harps. Treat again says, quote, play or sport foreshadows the joy of the kingdom when Christ reigns over all and decay, disease, and death will be no more. This is not merely a glimpse of the future. It is the inbreaking of the future. So, so, so to end where we started, sports is more than a game, less than a god. And when transformed by the gospel, can be received as a gift to be enjoyed forever. Amen? Amen. Cool. Well, let's jump into some questions. Let's have our first panelist, Natalie. Why don't you come on up here? Natalie. Natalie in the house. Natalie Wiesen. Is that how you say the last name? Okay. Cool. Um, Well, Natalie, I'm going to give her her bio. I don't think she wants me to give her bio. But it's very impressive. Natalie was a gymnast at Stanford. She's a 10-time All-American. I don't even know how that's possible. I'm going to ask her in a second. But um, she's a 10-time All-American. She's, she was a Stanford Female Athlete of the Year twice. She was on the USA Gymnastics National Team, made the Pan Am Team, and was the alternate for the USA World Team in 2001. She's currently the director of content for Pro Athletes Outreach. Uh, yeah, Pro Athletes Outreach. Um, so we are excited to have you on the panel. And uh, thank you so much for the Jeremy Treat article. That was extremely helpful. Um, <laughs> what, you know, but before we jump into any questions, what is Pro Athlete Outreach and what do you do as a, as the, the, in, in, being in charge of all content. What does that even mean? Yeah, so I mainly create and curate content for uh, mostly, started out really the women's Bible studies on each team for them to be able to have mm-hmm. something cohesive that most of the teams are doing. Um, some of the guys use it too. Um, so 
yeah, just, and our ministry seeks to really disciple the whole family. So it's not just the pro athletes. So, okay. Yeah. And, and, and then what, what does it mean to be a 10 time all American? Because in baseball, if you're, it, you couldn't be a 10 time all American unless, I mean, some guys at Oklahoma, I don't know how they, they, they stayed eligible, but, but the, the only time to, to, I mean, we could only be all Americans four times. How, how do you be a yeah, 10 time? Well, All-American? there's five of five events in gymnastics. Uh, so, I mean, technically I could have been. 5, 10, 15, 20. Wow, so okay. I was a little slacker, maybe. <laughs> well, that, that, that's impressive. Um, well, let, let's, let's jump into the first question here. I, I loved reading through your sports and faith uh, document you sent me. I do have a, a couple of questions I want you to speak into. Um, first, you, you truly believe that sports are a vehicle for training in godliness and sanctification. Mark talked in the sermon today a lot about sanctification. And I, I hear that and I think I say yes and amen. I think some people are like, hmm, prove it. So can you explain a little bit more? Yeah, what totally. Yeah, real fast though, I loved um, at our last football conference in February, I had the opportunity to sit around a round table discussion. I didn't even know what I was getting into and I didn't know who Jeremy Treat was. But it was, Randy Alcorn was there and Jeremy Treat and a few people from around the world that are doing sports ministry. And it was just so cool. I just sat there quietly the whole time listening. But um, I felt like I was learning a lot for the first time. And the whole aspect of, like, forever. And Randy, listening to Randy Alcorn, you know, he's written tons of stuff on heaven. And so to hear him talk about sports in heaven was just really amazing. And I, I truly, like, never really thought that. And... Then it occurred to me, like, maybe I'll do gymnastics again. <laughs> that would be wild. Or of some form of that. That would be really crazy. Because I didn't ever think I would. So, anyways. You could be, um, you could be all heaven. <laughs> that would be quite the award. Um, so, okay, yes. So, um, I feel like, <clears throat> for me, growing up... Um, Gymnastics, I feel like I oscillated a lot between those two extremes of, of, you know, feeling like, what's the point of this? And why am I putting so much of my life and my time into this? And then the other extreme of it being like all consuming identity and idol. And so, um, there's, you know, in first Peter four, when he says, train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Um, so one thing that I experienced is that, you know, he's obviously using sports as an analogy here of how we should approach our spiritual life. But his main point is that our spiritual life is more important and of utmost importance. And so, but the cool thing that I experienced as, especially in high school and college, as I got older and more mature in my thinking and approach to it was, and more serious about my faith was that these two very much overlapped. Mm -hmm. So as I trained, Physically, and I mean, this really was like a very real thing for me. Like it, it really um, that when I was training physically, I feel like I was also training spiritually. Like as I stepped into the arena of you know into my gym, I felt like God gave me a really strong lens through which I was viewing it as spiritual training, and really experienced that a lot. Um, there's also a verse in First Timothy four I thought of when I was 
preparing for this, but um, he's, you know, talking about, Paul's talking about first false teachers and how they're forbidding marriage, requiring abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And then he says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. And I really feel like I experienced that. Like, I feel like for me, gymnastics was very much, I don't know, like the word that comes to mind is like baptized. It was like redeemed. Um, And it sort of became this like holy ground for me where I was seeing it through the word of God. And it just was a paradigm shift that changed everything for me. Um, And I, I have to say too that this perspective was largely shaped through the shepherding of my dad. And... I feel like he gave me such a good example of the importance as a parent of shepherding our kids through this stuff um, where we're clearly sending them the message that like the spiritual aspect that they can be gleaning all the time through the realm of sport is just so important and it's something that um, you know sports are such a big part of it was such a big part of my life and it had it had my heart in so many ways and it was shaping my heart so much and so to have the input of my dad constantly growing up like I look back on that and I think that was such a big formative thing for me so um just a great opportunity for us as parents but um so I think the four things that I would touch on with the ways that God sanctified me through sports were would be um worship and idolatry kind of like you already talked about Um, Also closely intertwined with that would be identity and just teaching me where, you know, the only sure place to put my identity. Mm. Um, And then also just the many variety of trials that come through sports um, and the ways that God could use those to refine my faith and my character. Um, And then also the importance of renewing my mind and learning to take every thought captive. Um, So... And I have to say too that um, just the in- the when I one thing I got from that roundtable discussion at the um, with Jeremy Treat was just that so often I have thought about sports as like uh, the instrumental val he's, he used the word instrumental versus intrinsic like mm-hmm. sports are only valuable in so far as they are instrumental to like give you a lesson or form your character or give you ministry or, um, and so I really, I was really blessed by hearing from him the intrinsic value because it's so true. So, um, I'm going to start just share a little bit about worship, you know, cause you already shared so much, but, um, there were two quotes that I thought of from chariots of fire. One, you're all probably familiar with and the other one, not so much, but I feel like the, they were kind of two, Um, pictures or microcosms to me of the sort of pure aspect of worship through sport and then sort of the sport as how it can so easily become an idol or part of our identity. So um, the first is by Eric Little when he says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And um, I really... Uh, my my roommate from college is here. Her name's Emily, and my um, and also my dad. I think of like those two people as people who have like so embody that like pure love of sports, and like you were talking about, and just this. Um, there's something like transcendent that you can experience, and I, 
it's almost hard to, it's, it's sort of like when you're on a hike and you're, there's, you come upon, you see the beautiful view of the mountains and the sunset and you're just like, oh man, you just feel so alive and so full and near to God and you're moved to praise and I know Trent has experienced that a lot, surfing, like on the sun, you know, early morning, being out on the ocean and surfing and then watching the sunrise and you just feel so near to God. And um, so I really, I feel like I would experience that a lot in, in gymnastics and just the way you're using your body and you feel like you're a little girl playing on a playground and just how cool and transcendent and worshipful that can be. Um, and it's really cool to know that like in and of itself, that is valuable and you can actually be experiencing God, connecting with God through the, just you and God, like through the physical action of your sport. Um, and I thought of Romans 12, one, when he says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And just how in the realm of sports, you're, you're literally doing that. You're like, you can, you can be, giving God an offering with your body and with your movement. And, um, there's a, um, there's a verse that I read recently in first Chronicles where David says that he's not going to give to God. He's not going to sacrifice to God that which costs him nothing. Um, and so how obviously in sports you're like, you're, you're pushing yourself and you're, um, pushing yourself beyond your limits sometimes and to be able to offer that to God as an, as a spiritual offering is a really powerful thought. Um, and one that I thought of often, I would, before meets, I would often close my eyes and just, I would picture Jesus in the stands is kind of cheesy, but I would picture like empty stands with just Jesus there. And I'd be like, okay, God, like I'm going to just be doing this for you. And so just what a cool exercise that was. Um, so, uh, there was one quote from that same article by Jeremy Treat where he said, sports can be a platform for evangelism or a classroom for morality, but they are first and foremost, a playground for receiving Mm. and enjoying the goodness of the creator. Mm. Um, so I think that it's just like cool vision of sports and something we can all be striving for and shepherding our kids towards. But then on the other side, the second quote, um, was this other guy who was also preparing for the hundred meter dash. His name is Harold Abrahams in chariots of fire. And he said, 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. And so I felt like that quote to me was like, man, that conveys the reality of what I probably more, much more often felt, um, in my heart was just the, just that, you know, it's, it's kind of that crushing, it's kind of your, it's, it is too much of your identity and you buy into the lie that your performance is the most important thing about you and it determines your worth. And really you sense from this quote that this was not a delight, but it was a pretty crushing burden to him that he had lonely seconds, 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. And so I think for me, gymnastics definitely started out as a pure love, but, um, I think so many idols and, you know, identity can creep in. So my freshman year, I, um, I would say that was the first time that I was getting, I was, I feel like gymnastics at that point, I was old enough to be you know, recognize like, okay, I'm pretty good at this. Like, this is a big part of my life. 
and I would say my identity was like, it was that shift of that creeping identity was in that. And then I got a, um, a, a big injury. I had to get surgery. And I just remember that was probably the first time I can remember my dad shepherding me through that time and just telling me stories, so many stories of, you know, how how he experienced the same thing, but how, like, Mm -hmm. if we're standing on this foundation, like, this can be taken away any second. Like, this is unshaky, this is shaky ground. This is, like, building your foundation on sand. Um, And so, it just, in a very real way, I feel like it, it did shift my paradigm to say, I can't, like, this is not a good, this is not a good place to put my identity. Um... So, uh, I think, you know, that kind of touches on the trials as well. Um, I think a lot of verses that speak about the growth and refining that comes through trials are directly applicable to sports because, obviously, I mean, daily, especially the higher level you get, like, just the more physical, emotional, and mental pressures you experience. Mm. And it's just kind of, I think that's really good for our kids because how often, like, we live in pretty comfortable way, you know, we live a pretty comfortable culture and, and life here. And so I think that, that pushing them through the, the crucible and the, and the refining fires are, are good. Um, but again, I think what brings redemption to it is when we can recognize like, okay, the ways that Mm. I can be attaining that eternal prize through this physical thing, you know? Um, so yeah, James one, you know, just that counting it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness and um yeah so and then romans 5 too but there was a cool in um high school or college i went to an athletes in action camp that we did this uh 24-hour special at the end of the camp they kind of teach you all these things how to view your sport through a biblical lens and then at the very end you do this you stay up for 24 hours and you just go from like thing to thing to thing and you are so exhausted and they really want you to like go beyond your limit so that you can you're like you're learning how to trust god trust in him for the strength and and you're learning how to lean on your teammates and how to um and then at the very end you like walk up you have to like walk up this hill holding a crossbar, like a cross on your, around your shoulders. And it's just like the most, it was like the most emotional thing. Like everyone is just like crying their eyes out as they're walking up with this crossbar. But, uh, just what a powerful, that was really transformative for me to be like, man, Christ suffered so much. And obviously my, my suffering through sport is nothing close to that, but I can even have a fellowship in his sufferings, like as I'm going through the hard things, um, Mm. and just how cool that is. So, um, and then the last one, I'll just wrap up really fastly is, um, the, just the mental discipline and taking every, every thought captive. So that's a huge one. I mean, in gymnastics, I feel like I, well, like Romans 12, two, when he says, you know, we got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, I, th- I think about like on beam, I used to, I mean, most of the time growing up, I would just think, okay, don't fall, don't fall. And of course, like you can't just think about falling or you'll fall. And so you have to like focus on, okay, you have to train your mind. I mean, my mental routine for a meet was just as important as my physical, like it was so huge. And so just the, the ways that my mind, I feel like was shaped, um, even through the physical aspect again, but also those deeper layers of the, 
you know, the, the things I'm believing about myself or others through that vehicle of my sport. So, yeah. That's cool. And so some of that stuff with taking thoughts captive in, in your mental routine has translated well into your yes. Christian life, right? Exactly. That's, that is what Paul tells us. Totally. Yeah. Right. That's totally. Cool. Um, second question. I, I know you believe that, that sports also does provide just an, an amazing opportunity for mission. How? Yeah. Um, so... I like had, it took everything in me to not put this story first because this was like the biggest turning point for me. And I would say like the, the point in my life where it shifted with approaching and seeing gymnastics through a spiritual biblical lens was, um, I was driving with my dad to, uh, my brother to drop my brother off at college. And I was, it was right before, so I like had a weird gymnastics career. Like I never, I started late and then I like never expected to go elite, which is where you do the national, you know, national stuff, um, or international stuff. But so it was right before a big meet and I was so, I was like as scared as I'd ever been. I was so nervous. And my dad, I just kind of opened up to him and was sharing with him and, and he proceeds to tell me a story I'm sure I'd heard it before, but he proceeds to tell me a story about when he was a rookie um, playing football, and he um, was vying for a starting position on his team, and he... The Broncos, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and he um, he shattered his wrist, and he felt the Holy Spirit so uh, strongly come over him and just be like, I've, I have a clear purpose in, in this. So he had total peace, and... Two weeks later, his coach got diagnosed with cancer. And so my dad, because he was injured, was able to spend a ton of time with his coach. And, uh, the you know, it was a pretty quick stint with cancer. And then a week before he died, my dad let him, like, had just been, t- you know, sharing his faith with him over and over again. And then a week before he died... He was like, okay, let's go to the chapel where I'm, you got to baptize me. And so he was able to, and so my dad's like telling me the story and he's like crying and I'm crying. And he said, you know what, Natalie? He was like, it is not just about this. Like there is so much more going on than just this. Like this, like if you go to this meet, that's yes, the biggest meet of your life up to this point. Like if you do good, it might be for this one mom, and this was this one mom that we had been praying for and just constantly sharing our faith with, and he said, it might be just for that mom, and it, like, to see how you handle that, and if you do poorly, it might be for that one mom, like, there are, there are so many people that, like, this is what it's about, and I just remember feeling so, like, this, like, weight came off my shoulders, and I just was like, man, it doesn't matter. Like this, this part doesn't matter so much. Like the relationships and the, the people that we're with and, and who's going to come into eternity, uh, because we are on a team with them or because they were a coach or, and so it just was like such a powerful paradigm shift for me at that point. Uh, to the point where um, Emily just turned 40 and we went to the mountains for her birthday and she asked everyone, you know, what was a time where you felt like it was a paradigm shift or a pivotal moment? And I shared that story because I was like, that was so pivotal for me. Um, And then, you know, just I look at how much mission 
you know, has opened up through sports. I was thinking about it today and I was like, whoa, it's crazy. I mean, it's like Mm. when, you know, all the stuff that on my team and then my team growing up, then my team in college and then the ministry that we were a part of, that was the athlete ministry. And then Trent and I and Emily actually too, um, came on staff and we ended up working there for eight years. So we were doing ministry for that ministry. And then now pro athletes outreach. And and I was just thinking like, man, it's really cool. Like how that's the most important part of it. Um, and what I pray for my kids that, that that would also captivate their hearts. And I feel like I had a similar story with Ellie where we were driving home from a meet and there was a mom that um, two two of us were talking, and one was a Christian, and so we were sharing. We were just talking about our faith and youth group and stuff. And then the other mom turned around and she started asking us all these questions. And we just got to have this really cool spiritual conversation. And then Ellie uh, ended up taking those two girls to youth group, and I was just like crying on the way home. I was like, "See, this is what it's about. Like, God wants all of them to know Him, and like that's all that matters." And it was. She was like, "Oh, mom." So, um, anyway, awesome. yeah. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, totally. Natalie, thanks, Natalie. Ryan New, come up here. Ryan, Ryan's dad played in the NFL too, but a little bit of a different um, vibe in the home. Um, so, so Ryan, Ryan played some football at CU. Um, he's coached for years now at Valor and Arapahoe, and you're still coaching at Arapahoe as the no, you're done. Okay, he's retired. Um, so, so Ryan shared his story with us um, at Men's Group um, a few weeks ago. Um, if you're not a part of Men's Group, Sunday nights at 7, be there. We're having a blast. Um, but anyways, what a story, man. What a powerful story. We know every good gift, um, like sports, are from God, but how easily they can become a God, an idol, Um you experienced this growing up, to say the least. Um, if you can kind of share some of your experience um, and then spend some time encouraging parents in this room who, who are jumping into sports with, with their kids and their families, um, how would you counsel them in their relationship with the sports and the home? Yeah, big question. Uh, Natalie, not to be outdone, but I was an average football player who uh, quit two months into being at CU, so <laughs> pretty much the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's actually funny. I just spent uh, a week with my family on vacation, and I told them that we were going to have this conversation, and I brought it up with my, my two older sisters uh, and my dad, and uh, there was some good conversation, uh, but I'd say it was pretty pretty heated. It got it got a little charged as we were having the conversation. But ultimately, I think I think a lot of good came from it, but another thing came from it too, which was uh, permission to share part of their stories uh, because it's part of mine. And I think there's a redemption in my dad's intention in my life. Uh, but it's still my reality of my experience of what I kind of grew up with. And so uh, my, like Rick mentioned, I've coached high school football for 10 years. Uh, I did play uh, football and baseball and ran track. And uh, I came from a a different aspect. Actually, my sisters uh, were extremely talented at volleyball. And so I grew up, they're seven years older than I am. uh, And so I grew up watching them excel from uh, getting ready to play in the Olympics to national champions to all Americans. My, My sisters were 
were uh, very, very talented. And so I had that. And then I also had my, my dad's experience with sports. And so he, it was our main tool of discipleship. It was the way that we related with one another. It was the way that we learned. I think he used instrumental um, things in our house. It's, this is how we communicated. And so I think in order to give you an idea, a little bit of, of context, I have to tell you my dad's story. Uh, so my dad was born in Samoa. And uh, if you don't know much about the Polynesian culture, they are willing to send their kids pretty much anywhere if there's better opportunity. And so at the age of eight, they sent my dad uh, to Los Angeles to live with his uncle. And uh, try, try and imagine sending your kid uh, on a boat by themselves at eight and they don't speak English. And so uh, that was my dad's experience. And so he got there, and I think it was a little bit of a culture shock. He, he came to Watts, which is in South Central Los Angeles, which is very known for uh, gang violence and uh, a multitude of a bunch of other things. And so when he got there, I think he learned really quick. I have one of two ways that this is going to go. I'm going to be an athlete, or I'm going to join a gang. Uh, and thankfully, God gifted him with athleticism. And so he got kicked out of four high schools, but by the end of it, he got drafted by the Angels uh, to go play baseball. Shut that down because he, he loved football. And so, but he, his, his grades were not good. And so he went to Bakersfield Junior College. Uh, and he met two really important people there. And the first was Jesus, and the other was my mom. Um, and in the process, he also got into an altercation. And uh, he injured pretty severely a police officer. And so he was uh, on his way to going to prison. Uh, and this is important for a, a number of reasons, but there was a man who was part of the Jesus Revolution, Calvary, that's what my parents ended up coming through, uh, who evangelized to my dad often. And in uh, the nicest way possible, my dad told him to go pound sand. And so this happens in his life, and he reaches back out. His name is JB. He says, JB, you know, my life is in tatters. I don't know what's going to happen. And... Uh, JB says, come live with me. And so he goes to live with him. And it's about a year and a half's worth of just discipleship, living in his home, kind of dealing with what's going on with his, his court case. Uh, and miraculously, all charges were dropped. Um, and from that point on, my dad professed Christ as Lord, and so would I, <laughs> uh, after that happened. And so he went from there. He was committed to go to play at USC. He decided to go play at the University of Montana. And the reason he went there is because it was the only place he could was being recruited where they had a Christian coach. And so he went there. He played football. He did pretty well. He got drafted to the Jets. In this process, my parents got married, and my mom got pregnant uh, with my my sisters, they're twins. And uh, my dad was in New York for one year, and my mom did not grow up in the arena of sports. And she was not going to move to New York. And so she was like, hey, man, this ain't it. So uh, be done. And he, he stopped playing football. And I, going back, uh, I think they might have changed that decision. Uh, but that is the decision they made. And so when my dad came back to California, his... Uh, he, everything in his life was elevated because of sport. He went from a village boy to opportunity to play sports, to get out of uh, living in a barrack with dirt floors, to go play college football, to go play in the NFL, and now it's all stripped away and now he's home. Uh, and it's really his main way of communicating. Uh, and so I say all of that because I think it gives you context into uh, how this related to me and my sisters. And so let's fast forward uh, when I was five. We moved to Colorado 
Colorado. My dad became the Urban National Director for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And while that happened, my sisters also became pretty involved in volleyball. And uh, my dad is not one to be like, oh, this is the club team uh, in the city that we live in? Great, we'll do that. That's not how it goes. He found the best team with the best coaches, which was an hour away. And so my sisters, that, that's the route that they went. And uh, hmm. my mom was not involved in any sports decisions. She just, she's like, I don't know anything about it. You just make all the decisions. And so he did. And I don't think they ever really considered the consequence of what can come with that. So we lived at the gym uh, five days a week and then two days for tournaments. And this was in club season. This was when they played. Uh, They off season. They had special coaches. My dad would take them to gyms at night. Our life was consumed with volleyball. And at the same time, uh, my dad, who (laughs) was just ironic at one point, was an associate pastor and a youth pastor. And while he was there, he was like, man, these kids, none of them play sports. (laughs) And, And they're all just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They're getting in trouble. That's not going to be my kids. And so he was like, I'm going to use sports. And so we didn't go to church uh, pretty much ever. It was not even a consideration. If we had a game, we were going to the game. Um, And so at the same time, there is a financial uh, portion that went into this. My parents worked at bingo halls for eight years at night in order to pay for my sisters to travel and to play. Um, We didn't have summer vacations. We didn't have spring uh, or spring break. We everything was committed to sports. And my dad's one goal was how can I elevate my daughters to get them to a place where they will also get a scholarship and they will move beyond me, use me as a stepping stool. That's that's kind of how his mentality was, and uh, it was successful <laughs> from a, from a sports standpoint. They they did go play college volleyball and they did go on and. Mm, so on and so forth. So it was, it was successful from that standpoint. Uh, I started playing sports when I was 10. And so at this point, I'd watched my sisters play for five years. And I had to go to all their stuff. <laughs> I was also at the volleyball court at night. I was also a gym rat on weekends. Uh, and they would close the place down because they were always winning. So... Um, <laughs> So that was my experience. And by the time that I got to play sports, I also had to, I'd watched my sisters bear the weight of expectation for my dad and also start to get to a little place of burnout. And so I had already become disillusioned with sports by the time that I was going to play. I was like, man, I don't want to be burned out. Like, I don't want all that weight and expectation. And on top of that, they're playing volleyball, which is tough and it's hard. That's not it. But they're not playing dad sports. And I'm going to play football and baseball because we're not allowed to play sports that he doesn't understand. So I, I did. I, I, played, I played football and baseball. And I probably pushed back a little more uh, than my sisters did. And I think what it produced in me was actually a detachment. I I had an ultimate fear of failure. I did not, and and again, a lot of this is on me. It's not because of my dad. But I I didn't want to uh, care. And so a strikeout, who cares? Uh, Lose a game, whatever. Like, I just, I don't want to have my life be defined by this. And and I missed some really, really good things in the process. Uh, but there was never a spoken expectation from my dad that you, you need to carry the family legacy. But there also wasn't a spoken, you also don't need to carry the legacy. Go out, have fun, and compete. And so if my option is to play football or baseball or do nothing and be 
quote-unquote a loser, <laughs> I'm going to play football and baseball. Those were my options. There were no alternatives. Um, and so, again, like I said, we sacrificed church, youth groups, camps. I've never been a part of a youth group. We never went into Christian camps. Um, we didn't do anything that was church-related. My dad's idea was that we would experience the Lord while we played uh, and that we would do all the good things. of, And we did evangelize to people who were on our team. And, and there were a lot of, of that good, but there wasn't... <laughs> Outside of sport, there was no other shepherding. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, like I said, I lost... I, I think I've, I've read that same article and talk about play and competition, and I lost my sense of play. I didn't want to do it anymore. And so what does that do? That stresses you out when you're in competition. It drains you. It doesn't... That adds no value. It adds no joy. And so that's the place that I got. And so I ended up quitting. Uh, coaching and just being a fan again has redeemed so much of that for me. Uh, so I... I did pendulum swing, I'm not going to lie to you. And I was like, when I have kids, man, they're not going to play sports. Uh, I was on that opposite spectrum. I have come back quite a ways, and I'm excited for my kids to play sports. And I think it bears mentioning that my kids are young. I'm no, not in the tension of having to battle what it looks like for them to compete in sports. And so... Um, but I have thought about it quite a bit. And so I think uh, if there are some takeaways... Hmm. To take away from this, is youth athletics, even with good motives, easily become a false god for a family. And it's not hard to adopt the culture around us. If it's not even a hesitation for you to be like, well, should we, is there a tension? Should we go to church? Should we, no, no, we go to the game. Man, I, I'd ask you to check that. Yeah. Because that's, that's probably... A, not a right heart motive. Um, I think it requires coming back to the conversation often and praying about the costs and opportunities. Mm. And in this, I think that probably the most important thing, my dad drove our experience. Engage your kids in the conversation. Let them be part of it. Let them see you have a tension of making Christ the forefront mm. of your family. They should know that is a difficult decision for you. On Should we go to church or should we go to your sporting event? Should we let you play the sport that is competitive or should we let your sister play the sport that is competitive? Should we uh, skip summer vacations for this? Should we consume our schedule with it? Let them be a part of it so that ultimately they see that we're trying. Mm. Um, and I think I think this leads you to practical conversations, like I just said, but I also think there are deeper ones, and I'll just read the ones that um, came up. So where are you drawing your identity? Where are you drawing your sense of meaning? What's in your heart? Mm. If this were to end tomorrow, what would be left in terms of your sense of wholeness and well-being and who you are? Are you drawing that from the Lord, and is sport a bigger delight for me than God is? Mm. And I think I recognize that there is not a one-size-fits-all. No one's going to get up here and tell you this is the right thing for your family. It will come with prayerful consideration. But what I do know is that um, you are the one who knows the temperament of your kid. And so I think there are situations where it's like, buddy, buck up. Like, this is good for you. You're going to go out and compete. And then there are also situations where it's like, I can tell you hate this and you're continuing to do it. Should you? And, and giving and, and offering, and I think this is a big one. Can you offer a feast of alternatives? If all there is is sport, if all you grew up with was sport, can you offer something maybe that all of the good things that come from sport don't have to come from sports. Mm, you can experience all the goodness that can come from this doing drama or mm. being part of youth group. You can pour your life out as a kid into youth group to love them well and learn how to be a leader uh, and 
and, and so many other things that come with it. So, um, yeah, I I think also as a just as a finish to this is. As you go into it, it's going to require... Specialization is already requiring more and more from families. Um, And I see this as a coach all the time. i got to go to this camp. I have to do this thing. I have to be this place. Um, Consider the whole family. Uh, And as you require greater wisdom, Mm. pray, man. And your Father is eager to give uh, to us when we come to Him in faith. And so, um, yeah. Amen, bro. Thank you. Give it up for Brian. Awesome, man. Josh, why don't you come on up? Josh grew up in my neck of the woods, played against some of the same guys I played with in baseball, although I never played against Josh. He would have struck me out. He was a lefty who threw really hard, but he played football at Stanford. Um, And he coached track and field and football for eight years, and now he's the dean of academics at Armaday Academy. So, Josh, as as the, the dean of academics um not the athletic director but the dean of academics at a (laughs) oh that too i didn't know that (laughs) at a classical christian school like armaday where y'all are rigorous with with your minds and with your hearts um is there a place for the body um where does sport fit into the development of our young people Yes, there is a place. Yes, there is a place. Um, before I jump into to kind of my yeah. pre- prepared answer, um, it's super cool to see all the kids here with their baseball hats and their, their lacrosse shirts and their sunglasses. I know sometimes I, I can put myself in your shoes. I remember being in middle school. It looks like you guys are kind of middle school. Um, it's hard to sit and listen to us old guys talk. But as I'm, as I was sitting here in the audience and and hearing Rick, hearing Natalie, hearing Ryan talk, like I wish so much that I heard this when I was your age. So try your best to listen up. Um, this tension between is athletics, is it something, is is it, do we make it a God, which of course we don't want to err on that side, nor do we want to err on the side of it just being a game that it's not important that there's actually, I think it's been summarized so far that there's, there's three things that we can do through sport. One, we can grow in virtue, grow in character. And, and I, I kind of got that as a kid. I played Little League. You know, I trust in God. I love my country and respect us all. Remember the, the pledge that we do? Right? It was about sportsmanship. Um, then the, the second is we can use it as an avenue for uh, evangelizing, right? We can, we can, we can share our faith with our, with our teammates. But the piece that I never got, I never understood, and I wish I understood, um, and I think it sapped some of the joy from me playing, and Ryan, I'm sure you could attest to this, was I didn't see see sport as a venue to just have joy and glorify God, right? And so that's kind of what I want to want to talk about, because in the classical Christian sphere, if you're familiar with it, I think it kind of gets the reputation of being super heady, super rigorous, you said, um, and that, you know, I think I combat as the dean of academics at the school is trying to convince families that there is a place for sport and a very important place for sport. And if you aren't engaged in athletics, if you aren't engaged in sport, you're missing out on a key reality of who God made you to be. So 
I think to answer the question of is there a place for sport in in general, but particularly at like in school, I think it, I want to step back and first answer like, what is the purpose of school? What's the purpose of education? Um, and, and, and to answer that, we got to step back even further, I think, and first say like, what's the purpose of life? <laughs> why are we here in the first place? And so like, think about that question. Like, why, why were you made? And it's, it's serendipitous that today during the New City Catechism, when we, when we said that today, question four, um, we went over it. The question was, how and why did God create us? And the answer, God created us male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. Right, so all the for all the kids that play sports, like you were created to live for God's glory. Well, how do we do that? Right, there's lots of ways to do that. We we glorify God by loving Him, obeying Him, living in relationship with Him, um, proclaiming His name across the world. Um, yeah, and 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 here's the key: also living a life full of gratitude for who He is. And what he has done for us and what he has given to us. So I want to I focus on that piece. This idea of gratitude for the gifts that God has given us. Um, and I, I, I have a story that's similar to analogy that you already gave. Um, real quick. So my son Bear, he's three. And this Christmas was the first Christmas that he kind of got it. That he's like, this is awesome. I love Christmas. <laughs> um, and so me and Chelsea, my wife, we were deciding what to get him. Right? We, wanted, we, we don't want to go overboard. So we're like, we're going to get him one good gift. And so we, he's really into trains. So we got him this awesome like train table that he can stand on and make his, make his trains. And Scott you know, all the gizmos and gadgets and tunnels and bridges and whatnot. Um, and so Christmas Eve, the kids go to bed, we have family over. So we're up hanging out, having fun. And once everyone goes to sleep at like midnight, what am I doing? I'm building the train set for three hours, you know, getting to bed at 3am. And, you know, it would have been a huge bummer if at 7am, 6am, when Bear wakes up and comes out to the, uh, to the living room and sees this train set, if he was just kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Like that would have imagine how I would have felt if that happened. And I think, I think that's kind of how God, our father sees the gifts that he gives us, right? Instead, I want bear to come out, see that thing and be so excited to play with it and come give me a big hug and say, thank you, daddy. And I think that's our obligation to look at the gifts that God has given us both our mental faculties, but also our physical faculties, and use them for his glory and thank him for, for giving us bodies that can move around and have fun and play and enjoy him in that way. So, um, so that's why we were made, right? To glorify God. <clears throat> so let me, let me talk a little about the education piece, right? Because that's, that's, that's what I do is I, I work as an administrator at a classical Christian school. Um, so if our purpose is to glorify God with the gifts he's given us, then the, person, the purpose of education should be to develop these mental, spiritual, and physical abilities. Um, and, you know, I think we ought to think deeply about school, right? From the age of, for some, one, two, three years old, all the way through 22, even, you know, longer if you go to grad school. We spend a lot of time, maybe eight hours a day, going to school, 
Um, and in, until recently, when I say recently, maybe the last hundred years, um, education was always something that thought deeply about creating young men and women that be, that flourished and became kind of fully developed, flourishing adults. Nowadays, I feel like education is very much, you know, this modern progressive education that we have now. It's like, all right, it's a place to drop my kids off. They're kind of taken care of and hopefully they're safe, babysat for eight hours. Um, you know, hopefully they'll learn the skills they need to go get a job and become a cog in the economic machine. Um, you know, maybe they'll learn some social skills. And nowadays, I, you know, it could be a lot worse. Right? They could be learning some social things that we don't want them um, to be thinking about or learning or, you know, being indoctrinated in. Um, so the, so I want to I just impress the importance of kind of what the purpose of educated, education and that is to develop fully flourishing human beings. Um, and that includes both the mental and physical realities of our, of our humanness. So classical education goes back from, yeah, maybe a hundred years ago, way back to the ancient times, 2000 years ago with the Greeks. Um, and they spent a lot of time, the, the, the ancient Greeks spent a lot of time considering, um, yeah, considering how to train the physical piece of our humanity. Um, so I wanted to drop a few quotes, uh, by, one by Plato. Gymnastics, so they called, gym, they called all athletics gymnastics. So gymnastics should begin in the early years. The training in it should be careful and should continue through life. And I love this quote from Socrates. No man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. I got to see the beauty and strength at one point. It's long gone now. My back hurts. Can't do anything. But at one point, I was strong and fit. Um, So I kind of wrap up with this. So education aims to perfect the inherent human qualities and abilities that we have. So humans, we, we have and have always been um, able to you know, manipulate our vocal cords. So what does education do? Education trains them and develops this into articulate speech and beautiful song. We can, we can think rationally. We can remember vast amount of information. So education takes the time to develop this into logic and science and rhetoric, right? The ability to speak winsomely. We have creative imaginations and can manipulate materials with our hands beautifully. And so education takes this and throughout, you know, 18 years of education, um, turns that into the beautiful performing and fine arts, And so similarly, we have great physical strength and dexterity. And so education, uh, which this particular form of education we would call gymnastics, um, harnesses this potential and trains it. So God created us as physical beings in his image. We We are not these disembodied minds just floating in the ether, soaking up information, Um, But instead, we're composite beings, right? A union of body and soul. 
And so to disregard the physical is to disregard what it means to be fully human and eliminates the potential for a fully educated person. Um, So therefore, in order to cultivate the good of the whole person, physical education in sports and athletics has to be a part of a Christian upbringing and a Christian education. That's awesome. Thanks for that. The second question here, with with your experience as an an athlete and a coach, um, but also your commitment to the local church. um, Well, now you're a dad of two kids and your boy Bear, I mean, I'm, I'm only an associate scout, but I think he's got a high ceiling. <laughs> How will you attempt to, to engage in youth sports, which it's pretty all-encompassing, like you talked mm-hmm. about in club sports, all the while holding the importance and priority to the local church? I know he's only three, but have you thought about that at all? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've thought about it, and, and I think just being in the audience today has helped me think about it more. Again, I think it's an incredible avenue to teach them those three things, to teach them virtue and morality, to you teach them how to use that venue for um, evangelizing his, his teammates, but then also as a, as a place to just experience the joy that God created us for and point that kind of that joy and that excitement and that um, passion back to the Lord to see him smiling down and being glorified in the way in which he conducts himself and, and enjoys himself on the field of play. Um, but yeah, so I had a, I think I had a good example of a father who managed this balance of um, church attendance um, being involved in the church regardless and athletics. Um, yeah. And, and Ryan, I, I really appreciate what you said of like, we as parents should show that tension and to communicate that tension with our kids when there are conflicts. But my, my upbringing, my dad, um, basically he, you know, I played high level club sports, but he was clear with the coaches that, hey, if this is just kind of your standard game, and if it's a Sunday morning and it conflicts with church, like, we're not going to go. Um, and so we didn't. And I think that was a good example for me. My dad was an elder at our church. Um, church was something that was super important at the time. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. I didn't... I. Was I saved? I don't know, but I really didn't start following Christ until I was in college. Actually, under the kind of leadership of Trent and Natalie, they were running a, a athlete ministry on campus. So, thank you. God is glorified in your work. Um, but there were times where we had, you know, really important games or we're out traveling out of state or out of town. And we would go to those and I'd play in the games. But we would also, there were times where we'd, we'd travel to another state and we'd go to church at some random church on a Saturday night. And again, I hated it. But now, as an, you know, as an adult with, with a family, um, I really, um, I think I really benefited from my dad showing the priority that church was going to be. Um, and other times we would... Um, we would just do like family worship in the morning if, if we were unable to go to church. So that's kind of how I think I will balance it, yeah. but I got time. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And it's, it is, it's hard because, because our kids, they're, they're, there's just things that are going to be caught in the home. We can tell them the importance of church, but what are we doing when it's whatever season it is? Um, there was an example, a conviction. I, I, I think that, that, that there was a kid in our, our game day program, um, a Mormon kid, um, and 
when you know if you if you if, you're, if it's baseball season you're playing all the time all these weekends are gone for this family though the local church um and by church then it's um not the true church, obviously. Um, but the commitment was, hey, if we're in a loser's bracket and we got a morning game, we're not going to be there. Um, we need a fellowship. Um, and I, I, I think it, it's so easy for parents to not even have that thought, have that tension. It's just like, nope, it's sports season and we're going to go there. And, and, man, that's a lot of discipleship that's happening. Um, yeah, anyways, appreciate it, Josh. Yep. Thank you very much. All right, Mark, come on up. Not many of you probably knew this, but Mark pitched in college. <laughs> yes, yes, he was quite the baseball player. Arapaho, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Mark, um, can you, we're going to kind of jump for a minute here in, into this conversation of being a fan. Um, can you, as, as a big Laker fan, and we're killing it right now, woo-woo, um, and, and a big Bronco fan as well, I'm, I'm sorry, um, but can you, can you speak into being um, a sports fan as a Christian? What does this look like for you? Yeah, I've been a huge fan my whole life. Um, I... I uh, I wanted to join Natalie's dad on the football field when I, from a little kid. I was like, "Your dad's Steve Foley? Oh, that's amazing! That's awesome!" I'm like, like I just live for that. So um, I, I I love it. I love everything that everyone's already said. So I don't have much to say. I'll keep my yeah. moments short. I, I love that um, just the aff- affirmation of the creation and um, how. So much of our world we get, especially in Christian circles, we get into that Gnosticism yeah. where spirit's good, physical's bad, therefore do spiritual things. And it, it, it's together. So, um, But as a fan, I, I, I love it. Um, but also thinking through all this, I, I, one of the things I think of is uh, what Augustine would often refer to as disordered loves. Mm, yeah. um, and so he would say that, it isn't that we love the wrong things. We love the wrong. We we love the right things in the wrong way, in the wrong order. And I think this falls into sports for me and me all the time. Like there is a we've learned already. There's a amazing place for sports. But um, even as a fan, like my. Uh, there was a month, about a month ago, we're, we're up late texting each other, watching a Laker game, and they lose it at the buzzer late. We stayed up till like midnight. We had work to do the next day. I think you were preaching that week. And neither one of us slept that night very much. We were so mad because we were just trying to make the playoffs. And in that moment, I was like, this is a disordered love for me. And Rick's like, oh, I'm going to have to stop watching for a week or so. Like, I hear you. So certainly as fans, enjoy it. But um, just check yourself. Like, is, are your, your love priorities out of order? Um, yeah. So uh, what, what was the other question? Yeah, the, I want to keep second, it um, Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, what does it look like for you? But I feel like you answered that. Um, can you give us a pastoral just exhortation on sports in general as we engage as fans, athletes, and as, as parents. Yeah. Um, again, I think everyone's already said it already, so I don't want to repeat too much, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think we, especially as parents, uh, you'll just as, as elders, we will give an account for our church as parents. You'll give an account for your kids. Mm. Um, and so, all the good things you want to use that, but also um, th- there are there are things that we can sometimes project on our children. Uh, 
our own identity thing. Like, I need my child to be successful in this or this area. Therefore, you're going to do all these things, but it's not really about their children. A great example of this is Andre Agassi's book, uh, his biography. Repeatedly says, I hate tennis, I hate tennis, I hate tennis, I hate tennis. Um, fascinating book. But, like, be careful what you're projecting. Um, uh, be careful how the orders of those are. And, and, and for each family, that's different. Um, I, I would say... You know, as you give an account, like your your sports team, where it's an amazing witness, outreach opportunity. Um, biblically speaking, your your team is not the local church. Um, there are just certain things that God desires to develop in our lives and our kids' lives that um, God reserves for the local church. So that has to be in the conversation in some way, shape, or form. Um, one thing I'm wrestling with, as even as we're like we're affirming the Mago Day, affirming the Mago Day, affirming the Mago Day, is. Um, um, and this is my own personal conviction. Brandon Washington would have this further than me. But, like, are we celebrating sports that harm the Imago Day? Mm. Um, um, like, explicitly, I won't watch, like, UFC or boxing because that's the explicit intention of the sport. Now, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But I'm like, wow, this is, that feels like the gladiator games. That feels like Tertullian saying, ah. And so now I'm even wrestling with, when I see DeMar Hamlin go down and die on the field, I'm like, we're entertaining ourselves with this. I'm a little bit concerned. So that's just what I'm wrestling with as a fan and as a person, as a pastor. Uh, Those are, those are some things I'm wrestling with. But yeah, I do have a question for you though, Rick. Sweet. Okay. So we turn it back to you. Uh, Rick obviously has a long, long background in athletics. Zero all Americans though. Oh, there's only one 10 time all American in this room. So <laughs> maybe in the state. Um, but, uh, as you, 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 you wear many hats. Like you wear this hat, you wear your pastor's hat, you put on your liturgical stole. Um, so as, as you've heard any, anyone and everyone talking, they've done an amazing job. Um, and you're a coach. I, I've, I've had the privilege of coaching and doing ministry in there at the Denver street school and uh, on missions trips and basketball. So that's been awesome. Uh, but, um, what, what have you seen? What, what has changed? What's worn? What's, what are some warnings and what are, what are some exhortations you might have to the parents yeah. in this room? Yeah. yeah, that's good. I, I, uh, just wrote down a couple, um, bullet points here, but I, I, I think it's important to note um, how tiny the percentage, like tiny the percentage um, to be a Natalie, um, to, to, to get any college scholarship in, in your sport for your kid, it is tiny. Um, and, and yeah, I, I live in a world um, with youth sports that I just see some craziness um and 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 people are all in with this pursuit of scholarship um and yeah it's just baffling because this percentage again it is so small and even the amount of money just like the amount of money these parents are like man like you could pay for college (laughs) just save all that a little bit um or save some of it Um, so that percentage is small. The percentage to be a pro athlete, so to actually make a career, not just college, but to make a career out of this, is even smaller. Like I'm, I'm, I'm also an associate scout with the Dodgers, which it's I don't get paid any money. I have a friend who 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 um, 
is a big time scout and he's in Arizona but he he has me go watch a few players every year the high school and college level um, and the list he sends me every January is like four to eight kids and again that's Colorado that's not Arizona or Texas or California but like five kids playing baseball right now in the state of Colorado five kids high school and college are on the radar of like let's see if he's good enough to draft so again these percentages are tiny um and so yeah i i I just want to yeah i want that to sink in like as we jump into sports with our kids um because there's a percentage that the Bible talks about, um, and like 100% of our kids are going to face God on Judgment Day. That's intense, um, and and so yeah, let's. I'm all. I'm. I, I mean, you can tell. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go home and probably watch a basketball game tonight. No, I. I got men's group. Never mind. I'm eating pizza <laughs> I'm with the watch. guys. Um, but. I'm. I'm all about it. Let's glorify God through athletics. But let's. Let's. Let's understand let's be sober in just the reality um of of what the percentages are hundred percent chance that your kid not holding on to your faith not holding on to whatever you told him like like before god himself is going to give an account of his life and so as we parent and we engage through sports like this has to be on our hearts and on our minds um so that's the first thing. Um, yeah, the the second thing here is um, just, you know, Hebrews 10, 25, um, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Like, golly, like we are in the habit of doing this. Um, but encouraging, like Mark talked about today, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, so again, as you jump into sports, and I'm, I'm speaking more as, you know, exhortating, uh, exhorting parents who are in youth sports. Um, yeah, just, just the importance of the local church. And I'm a baseball guy. Like, not all sports are consuming on Sunday. Baseball is. Um, but again, I told you about the Mormon kid. Or there's Sandy Koufax, who is a Jew. And he took Shabbat every every Saturday. He would not pitch or play on a Saturday. Like, is there is there a way in which we can do that? Um, I, I think it's at least something to think about and wrestle through as opposed to just, all right, it's baseball season. Um, uh, another thing I would say here is just quickly, it has, like, it's got to be fun. Um, again, I see so many parents, and sometimes I'm just, like, blown away, but, like, like just living vicariously through their kids. Um, like, their kids hate it. They don't want to be there. They're coming to lessons to me every week, and they're paying good money. And it's like, what, what, are, what are you doing? Um, my dad wants me to be in the big leagues. It's like, golly. Um, yeah, so, 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 like, and I'm all, I'm all about it. If our kids want to grind and work hard and we see something in them like i want to help help them foster that but i i want them to to love it themselves um you know the bible says train up a child in the way he should go when he's old he will not depart from it like vicariously living through your kid's athletic career is pathetic period um 
so yeah, we've talked a ton about identity, um, so I don't need to go there. Um, oh, this one's cool. Um, yeah, when I grew up, um, yeah, everything we talked about was sports. So when we got in the car after, it was, you know, the curveball and my back shoulder again, and I'm flying open. Like, and and, and again, there there was a place for that for me because that's what I wanted to hear and I wanted to get better. Um, but like our owner at game day, he, he's got, he's got three boys. One of them is in high school, at Castle View. He's a good player. He'll probably play, um, in college as well. Um, but like one thing he has always done is at the end of the game, whether they're traveling in Arizona or they're playing in Thornton, whatever, like he gets in the car, they don't talk at all all unless the kid brings it up but he he simply says man i loved watching you play out there um and, and that i i just think that 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 goes a long way um just in how and how we we love our kids and we and we communicate to them that um this is not everything um and then lastly, um, just for, for us to be aware of the warning signs. I think there are warning signs like Mark talked about. Um, so just asking yourself, like, what what are we sacrificing? Um, and, and there will be sacrifices. Like, in everything we do, we, we're counting the costs. It is not bad that we're sacrificing. But how much are we sacrificing? The, the, the Apostle Paul, he says... I'm allowed to do all things, but not all things are good for me to do. I'm allowed to do all things, but I will not let anything make me its slave. So I think in, in, as we engage in sports, we, we do have to be able to ask ourselves, are, are we becoming enslaved to sports? Um, if, there's, if there's a practice every single night of the week, um, you know, if, 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 if there's... You know, months where your kid is missing the consistent rhythms of the local church and all those means of graces that we experience on Sunday morning. Um, if, 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 if there's an inconsistency for a long time in things like youth group and even family devotionals, um, the answer might be what you don't want to hear. And you, and you, as a Christian, you do have to ask yourself these hard questions. Are we becoming enslaved to this, I think a, another warning sign is the people around you. Like, what are your people in your GC and your core groups and just church telling you? Um, man, if they're telling you, gosh, you sure are sacrificing a lot for this. Like, again, at, at least ask yourself these questions. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I think we do know that our hearts are idle producing factories, and so we can't not think it can happen to us. It, it surely can. Um, and, and let me just end the, this exhortation um, to parents with, with, with just a, a reminder um, um, of your relationship with your kid. Like, like, please, please, please don't let this be what unites you to your kid. Um, it and it can so easily happen. My mom, me and my mom, that was our relationship. And so even now, like, I mean, we, 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 you know, she doesn't want to talk about 
anything Christianity, so, so I can't go anywhere there. But we have nothing to talk about. Like our relationship is is, is just it's not it's not great. Um, um, but 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 it was all sports. And so my what my mom does, you know, now is she like watches replays of like my games, like. Wow pretty crazy she'll, she'll show that I hit a walk off grand slam on Mother's Day and she like will replay that and she's like wow. and it's like and, and then my brother on the flip side he didn't have a sport so my sister was this piano player and I was this baseball and my mom was like all in like my job as a parent which again her heart I think was really good in this um, as a as a non-Christian like how can I be the best parent well I'm gonna I wanna give you your dreams so she was all in all the while my brother's like I surf and smoke weed. <laughs> I'm going to have him listen to this too. Um, but, but like he, he, he didn't have a sport and he, he has scars to this day. Like he, 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 he has no, um, yeah, he, 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 he's got some mother wounds, especially just like, Hey, you know, Ricky and Jenna have something. I'm just this nobody. But, but again, like none of us have any relationship with my mom. Cause it was all based on, Athletics and performance, and and again, she blessed us with some awesome opportunities and coaches and whatever. But but yeah, I would just say, um, know your kids, <laughs> love your kids, and in 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 the rightful place, sports can be, I think, an amazing vehicle where you can grow closer to your kid and you can teach your kid about the, the, the ways of Jesus and, and, and remind them of their ultimate hope, which is Christ, um, not a win or a loss. Um, and then that ultimately, ultimately Jesus has won. So that's, that would be my encouragement. Um, we'll jump right into some Q and a, all right. So, um, all of our panelists, are ready to answer whatever questions you have. I will as well. Um, but yeah, any, any, yeah. If you have a question, why don't you come up here, talk it into the mic, and then whoever you address it towards will answer it. Lucas. Yeah, I'm Lucas, for those of you who don't know. Um, I don't have it to any specific athlete, um, but one thing that I find like a, is, is how in uh, victory and, and more importantly how in loss, how do you use that um, in, a, in an evangelical way, right? Uh, like a good example of like Ben Roethlisberger, right? He's well known. Every time he, he was on an interview, first thing he would say, all glory be to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? Um, so how, how it would, in your experiences of either yourselves or other people, how have you used sports and, and your platform on winning or even, like I said, importantly on losing, how do you use that to, to profess your faith? Yeah. Anyone want to take it? I, I mean, I think some people would say, you know, Tim Tebow got persecuted because he uh, talked about Jesus. But, I mean, I'm not a football guy, but that spiral was not very good. Um, <laughs> Natalie, you want to answer this? I'm just going to look to you every time. I mean, 10 times national. Uh, sorry. <laughs> There's one quote that came to my mind um, by John Piper where he says, um, gifts, like whatever gift it is, has been given to us so that we can show the world that that is not our treasure, but Christ is. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess, I don't know, like, I, f- I feel like 
if there's a way and I mean it's hard when you're talking about like NFL guys I, I don't know like yeah. what is the best thing that they could say and I'll, I'll, I'll say something real quick I, I, I think um, when I when I was at OU I mean I was such a brand new Christian so like man now up number 10 Ricky Eisenberg so I'm just like you know, it was, it was just this Jesus song, Jesus song, and like every interview, like after I did something good, like all glory to God, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and and I like look back, and I'm like, man, like I don't know if I would have like had that that approach. I'm I'm not opposed to that, but like, um, I think being Christian, just being consistently Christian, and like there 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 comes like Natalie talked about if if our treasure is not. Um, in the game, then after coach, at least the college level, just berates you, um, like you're not going to be as affected maybe as everyone else is. And, and, and there is something that that people are going to see in you that is just Christian. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think for the very for like public sports, if you're on TV and you you're getting interviewed, I think they're I think it's good to point like actually explicitly point the glory to God. But for the for the youth yeah. kid that's just playing a game and lost, or you know hit a grand slam, walk off grand slam, and to resist the urge of to pound the chest and you know mm. point all glory to himself, I think I think there's a couple ways. One, you know. Um, it's to like exude joy, like to have, if you're, if you're having fun, if you are smiling and laughing and cheering on your teammates, I think that's one way to be Christian as you're playing. When you lose to like celebrate the accomplishments of the other team and to go up to him and be like, man, that was, that was amazing. Like that, whatever that, uh, what a basketball analogy, whatever that like (laughs) hook shot. But you, I, I, so um, one Easy, of the, easier one, said than done, right? Man. One of the guys. So I, I played with Andrew Luck in college, and I don't know if he's a believer, but he had this reputation for just like patting guys on the back that just like obliterated him, right? He'd get sacked, and he'd get up and be like, "Man, good hit," and give him a pat on the butt, and like people looked at him and said, "Man, he's different," and you know. If, if if he were a believer that he could people could say like he's different and then oh yeah we know that he's a christian and and i think that's that's probably why he's able to congratulate the opponent the opponent even in a loss yeah that's good and i think like paul tells us man everything you say especially with outsiders let it be seasoned with the salt like 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 there is like sports is a evil ugly world at least you know youth sports and college sports where like if you're in it man you you do have to be strong as a christian you have you do have to be willing to say there's where i stand this is who i am and there's going to be a lot of a lot of pull to to pull you away from that so yeah anyways I like got really into Dallas Willard in college, and he, there was something he talked about in the spirit of the disciplines about like, can you go into a competitive experience and root for your opponent, like root or hope that your opponent will outshine you in some way? And I was like, what? This is so like counterintuitive, but but I think there will be. It's cool to think about what heaven, what what sports and competition will look like in heaven, where there's just like this genuine, like we're playing together according to these rules, but like we're really there's just that that pride is gone, and just yeah. that like Gosh, wow. where there can be this very pure care for and love for yeah. your the person you're playing against, and yeah. 
just human. I don't know. So that's a cool vision. Yeah. I think that we can. That's awesome. Yeah. Any other question? <laughs> the question is, how do you approach body image as a female athlete, especially in a sport like gymnastics, and how do you walk a have a good balance and approach to that? Would you say? That's your question. Okay. Um, I would say that was definitely one of the things that was like for me personally, like the shadow side of sports and specifically gymnastics. And, um, I would say the, like that perfectionism and especially with gymnastics was something that was like probably number one, like idol and, and identity issue for me. Um, but and it was crazy because it was like, that was the thing that crushed me the most. Like it just, it kind of, um, that was the number one thing that made me burnt out throughout college. Um, and so I, I mean, I would just say that it's so important. (laughs) It's like so important. I feel like to, that's one thing that I would say is, is never worth like, um, it's, it's never worth do like at all costs. I work like a winning at all costs mentality. It's like, I think I sometimes bought the lie that like, well, this is just, I have to be this disciplined to do my sport and to like stay at this level and compete at this level. But I think, um, first of all, I think I bought lies a lot. And second of all, um, I just think if that's what it takes, like if my, if my kids, any of my kids felt like that's what it took to like be so disciplined that it's like kind of all consuming, then I would just say, that's not worth it. Like that is so not worth it. That's not, that's not, yeah, it's just not worth it. So I do feel like, um, thankfully the Lord has like really redeemed that aspect of, you know, a childlike approach to my body and food and all that stuff. But that was definitely a struggle at times, um, in a sport like gymnastics. And I must say it was, yeah, it's, that can be a challenge for sure. So that's good. Uh, so yeah, my question I think has to do more from like the assumption that, yeah, our kids are never going to be in that, um, high percentile of getting into college or let alone um, professional sports but I think like the question for those that have been in that caliber of play how do you foster a healthy competitive nature to that so I think specifically like our kids are at an age our oldest is five and a half and he loves to race because he is fast but he's not what is it John Little fast and it's like Jamie and I can smoke him but it's like how do we do that in a way that still fosters that competitive nature where he wants to do that and I'm also thinking too specifically to like in your case, a walk-off Grand Slam is great at an OU game, but when we come to an RP picnic, I don't want to just smoke something out of the park to like put myself on display. So how do we do that in a context, I think, that hopefully develops this, I don't know, appropriate idea of, like, I want to compete to compete, but knowing when to do that and how to do that, I think, hopefully fosters a parent. So that's open to anyone. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, this is hard. This is a, That's a good question. I... Um Man, this is an area in my sanctification that that I'm 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 making strides. But I mean, I was just playing tennis um, a few weeks ago with Stu and, and Mark, and uh, and Stu was I was just not making shots, and he was beating me. I'm like hitting my leg with 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 the racket, and the lady the the the, the lady next to us says something like, "I got anger issues too." I'm just like. Dang. <laughs> 
Like, she doesn't know I'm a pastor. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. If it, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I don't even think that was your question. Um, but, uh, yeah, ha, ha, sorry. <laughs> yeah, again, that's why I said, Mark, you want to answer this one? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think, again, this is why I think sports is great for discipleship because when you're in the arena there's just there, there there's things that come out of you that that aren't going to be always tested on just a a regular you know Monday to Wednesday or Monday to Friday but 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 they're still in you um and so I, I think sports can bring that out and so just using all of those is just teachable moments like man why why'd you get so angry there? And just talking through that and trying to root their identity back in Christ. But I, it, it's uh, obviously like I've been, I've been a Christian now for almost 16 years and that was three weeks ago. So, um, yeah. And, and, Shia and Edith or Holly wonders why or why, um, you know, how, you know, Shiloh has so much rage at times. I'm like, oh, that's, that's me. <laughs> For the record, it wasn't bad. <laughs> so I have young kids and we're getting ready to go into it. And we've talked a lot about joy and competition and play. Why why put our kids in competitive sports? When I-9 exists where you can learn the opportunity, you can still go and do it, how do you struggle with the tension of we can just make this a day or two days or we could make this a life? So how do you struggle with the tension of competitive sports and rec? Yeah, um, I'll speak into it real quick as just... With my game day hat on, um, if your kid is any good at baseball, um, I nine or Parker Hawks, like um, at some point they're going to outgrow that. Um, but at the same time, like I can go back and forth even here. So, so again, there's there's five high school play high school college players in Colorado who are on the watch list. So like. Does it really matter if – so it's a tough question. Um, there's a baseball player who was on the Dodgers for years, Matt Kemp. Um, he won't be a Hall of Famer, but he was an amazing player, an all-star. Um, he was about to go play he, – he got a scholarship to OU to play basketball. And someone said, man, you got a baseball body. You should try this. He's a junior in high school. Um, and, uh, yeah, got drafted in the first or second round, and the rest is history. So, like, he started at age 16. Um, so when you have it, you have it. So I would say, yeah, maybe play rec, you know? <laughs> it's got all over the place in that answer. <laughs> Natalie. <laughs> Um, yeah, we were just having this conversation with a friend, actually, Emily and I. Um, but um, I, I feel like I lean towards optimizing for fun in every way. So for some kids, that's going to be the more competitive route. Um, and for others, it won't. But I do, I feel like I, work, working in the pro athletes ministry, I like feel like I like internally I'm like yes 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 like there's so many funny stories like we have a good friend who played in the NFL he played at Stanford with Josh his name is Kobe Fleener and um he 
he was telling his mom was telling Emily at the little flag football game for their sons that when he was in third grade he like cried through the entire season and he was like I'm never doing that again so he literally didn't even start football until he was a sophomore or maybe even junior and he's like six seven and he's so strong and he's like oh I'm pretty good at this and then he's like you're gonna give me a scholarship to play football and then you're gonna pay me to play in the NFL like that's it's like okay like this kid this guy was just like going to do that you know and so and there's so many stories like that and so and my parents I feel like even for my own career like I started when I was nine I wasn't really that good till I was 14 then I went elite when I was 15 which was so late and then you know I just felt like but they optimized for fun at every turn we always took the family vacations we always did the we always did the family stuff and church and everything and so I do feel passionately that like there's nothing we can do as parents to to set them up but I feel like if they want to do the competitive route then and and they're driving it then it's probably great but otherwise like optimize for fun so yeah that's good yeah um how we lovingly as Christians participate in sport via all the ways that we've already discussed in the context of gender identity modern era, all of that going on and kind of creating a swirl amongst just the fair execution of the sport, whatever that sport may be. Yes. Um, I recorded a podcast on this this last week, by the way, so you can go listen to all things. Um, just this past week where I talked to somebody way more educated than myself on this topic. Um, I think uh, the answer would have to be multi-layered, like it depends on the context, right? So if you're going to play, if you're going to join Parker Rec, know that your daughter's team will have boys on it, and that's the way it's going to be. So if you're joining that club, that's those are the conditions you're joining in. And so um, you're going to have to go in with that understanding and that awareness and um, disciple your daughter and seek to be a light in a dark place. Um, But then there's other levels too where you can advocate for your kids and be going to maybe the town council or if it's a school to the superintendent or the principal to the school board meetings and advocating. Um, I don't have statistics fresh on my mind. The person I interviewed had some good numbers, but the reality is that the, the majority of parents and athletes don't want biological males competing in female sports. Um, But the agenda is powerful and loud and you lose a lot when you speak into it. So um, I think that we have to be willing to speak winsomely and graciously with um, biology and sociological data um, to equip us as well as a biblical worldview, but that's probably not going to get you far at a school board meeting. Um, So I think that, you know, as as parents, so Title IX came into effect in 1972. So 51 years ago is when, you know, that was like, I was like one of the first Title IX generations. I'm 44. So I was one of the first girls that got to play on a girls sports team. And we've only enjoyed it for 51 years. And now it's no longer a given. Um, So I think that, you know, we need to, I think JK Rowling's doing a great job of it as a secular voice. So, you know, there's multiple ways to answer it in terms of discipling your kid to be a light and kind and gracious um, and to just be a, a force of light and love on the team. But then for parents, go, voting and going to your, ra- you know, raising your voice loudly as often as you can and, and um, trusting the Lord with the results. That's good. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. Any last questions? Question. Mackenzie. 
So my question, kind of to speak to like being made in God's image, um, if you have a child who feels gifted in something like fighting or like something even like dance where that's hard because you're like, okay, you're dancing in front of people, like how do you be careful with that? Like just, but if they feel like it is a gifting, how do you go about that? Like how do you say like, well, no, like you're made in God's image, so like, yeah. Good question. Shiloh likes to fight and Eden likes to dance. Can someone else answer this? Because I, I, I need this answer too. I think our God is a God of like truth and beauty. And so there are things that are objectively beautiful and things that are objectively ugly. And so dance, is a, dance can and should be a beautiful thing. But sometimes our culture warps that into something that isn't beautiful, and so I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'll do if, if little Calla, my one-year-old, wants to to dance. But I, I guess I would try and one, I would I would speak to her about the truth, and then I would hopefully find avenues for her to dance in ways that are actually beautiful and not um, immodest or provocative or gross, right? And then from a in terms of fighting. I, feel, I don't know. I like UFC. I like that kind of stuff. Mark, Mark. <laughs> um, but I, but it's a. You really got to ask your heart. Like, where is it coming from? Are you like I, I? I played football with a guy who would say like the only reason he played football is because it was illegal grounds to like hurt people. Um, so that's bad. Like his heart was not in the right place. But. You know, I, I enjoyed football. The, the the main reason I enjoyed football is I loved being on a team, and I, I think I I loved the service aspect of you know eleven people on the field, and if if one person messes up, then the whole team suffers for it. And I love just being a part of that. So, you know, if someone wants to go out and fight UFC, I would really question like, are you do you see this as a martial art, or do you just see this as a place to like? legally be really angry and hurt people. I don't know. That's good. We got time for one more quick question. Any kids got a question? Come on up. Um, so I think my question is mainly, how do we handle situations where, as a competitor, um, our sport requires us to indirectly or sometimes directly support an institution that stands for very non-Christian beliefs? Um, sometimes this is in competition where you travel, um, and now you're paying a gym to go compete, but when you get there, that gym stands for things that you really um, t- detest, and you've spent your life kind of standing up against. Um, and so how do we handle situations when to excel in our sport and to um, train our bodies, train our mind, and then when we go then get there to compete, there's this environment that we don't want to support. How yeah. do we deal with that? Good question, Lillian. Like, what do you mean, like, the gym supports it? So, I mean, sometimes I get to a climbing gym, mm-hmm. and there is... Um, LGBTQ um, support all over that. And I just kind of immediately feel that environment where it's like, this is not what I stand for, but these people stand for that. How do you deal with that in a loving and a righteous way in how you participate and how you show your support or stand against? Yeah, good question. Um, I think there's different approaches. Um, Yeah, I I think um, my, my first answer that comes to my mind is like probably the same way at least in the question with the gym, probably the same way we um, 
handle our time here at the Pace Center. You know, I'm, I'm sure they don't have the same views as us. But at the same time, that's not what you're saying either because that's not the, the culture of it being, you know, being pushed upon us. Um, and so I, I, I do think that there's a level of what's our, um, what's our conscience, you know, saying. Um, and, 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 and what does, you know, me competing here for the glory of God. Am, am, am I in my mind, am I able to do that as a Christian light all the while not support, you know, the agenda? Because, I mean, you could say that about, like, every every professional sport is, is pushing an agenda. Um, and so are we not able to engage in those as, you know, fans and players? I don't think so, but at the same time, it's, it's a personal, it has to be a personal um, conviction as well. That, that'd be my answer there. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Well. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let me pray for us. Um, thanks, guys. This was a sweet, sweet night chopping up some sports. Um, let me pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for uh, creation. Thank you that we are made in your image. Thank you that uh, sport and play is good, God. It's it's intrinsically good, and we thank you for it. Lord, help us as a church to navigate these tough things, God. Help us to be the church who who loves one another well, that, that we can that we can speak the truth to each other, that, that we can be accountable to one another, that we can be humble enough to realize um, this good gift can so easily become an idol, God. And I pray that, that, that um, we at RP would engage in sports um, with the understanding that Jesus is King. Lord, help us to learn what that looks like. We love you. We thank you for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Redemption Institute podcast. You can learn more about Redemption Institute or any of our other ministries at redemptionparker.org.